This one won't be long, by the way. This one's pretty cut and dry. In my opinion. Would you stop? What? I'm trying to give us a few seconds of silence so I can start. Today, we are talking to people who teach more than one subject in their classroom. And there's a lot of us. Pretty much every elementary teacher and a whole bunch yep. of secondary ones. Absolutely. So today we're going to kind of address the idea of time management. In other words, how do you structure your time in a way that allows you to make sure everything is covered? Because for most of us, there's a pressure to cover you know, X number of curricular outcomes throughout the day. So what's a good time distribution to do that? Now, the well, one thing to bear in mind, I, what I'm over, uh, hmm? I, I thought that schools dictated that. Like I can remember sitting in staff meetings and them saying, you should have this many hours of English and this many hours of math and, you know, and teachers taking they, notes and figuring it out. To a certain degree, they do, but I mean, a lot of times when, when people are saying that, you're like, yeah, you know what? There is a lot of validity to it, so I just kind of want to reinforce certain beliefs in that. Hmm. Um, so the first thing to remember is uh, try as best you can to have certain times sacred for certain things. A lot of kids need structure. A lot of kids like to know that at certain times of the day, certain things are being done. Especially kids who have high attention problems, giving them structured times on certain things, like always having math at 8 o'clock in the morning or 8.20 in the morning, helps them figure their day out more and lets them succeed more. Um, so having times be, quote-unquote, sacred to things, obviously within reason. If you have an assembly during a math time, then you might have to shift math to later in the day or whatever. And they, kids have to be understanding of that too. But... Uh, for the kids who do need that structure, having those times as quote-unquote sacred is really valuable to them. And it really so, does help with the transitions, too. Yeah, massively. So bear that in mind um, as you're creating your schedule and building it in. Though I'm not going to say that there's a perfect time for math, and there's a perfect time for literacy, and there's a perfect time for social studies and science. I mean, the reality is little kids, yeah, the, the little kids focus better, seem to focus better in the morning. Teenagers, yeah. on the other hand, it's later in the day. So as we're long not as saying it's this not right after lunch when they've eaten a big heavy meal. Yes. So uh, bear that in mind though. Like the best times to do things is not set, are not set in stone. I know for me personally, I do do math at the beginning of the day, but that's because it's how our schedule is structured. We have 60 minutes at the beginning of the day, and the second block is 90. So I do literacy then. But not everyone does it that way. That's just the way I find it easier. But I do try my best to ensure that. Math is done at 8 o'clock every day, or 20 at every day. Because that way the kids know, hey, it's time for math. Matter of fact, I did flip the schedule around once just for fun. And the kids were like, oh, Mr. Harnett, uh, we're not doing uh, math right now. Why? 
And I was like, ah, you do notice these things. Brilliant. Anyways, so have a time that's sacred for each subject area. And make it obvious on the schedule. If there is a day where something happens that you need to flip a math or literacy or social studies block, then write it on the schedule and say, hey, guys, on every day five, we're going to have math at, you know, 1230 instead of eight because of this reason. And it could and be that you actually flip things around anyway, where you've got, you know, some days you're starting with math, other days you're going to start with science. And on the third day, you're going to be starting with literacy. That's OK, too. Yeah. But just have it as a have a routine set in your schedule so yeah. that it helps them understand it. Uh, in terms of basic time frames, the general rule being uh, 60 to 90 minutes per math per day, uh, 90 minutes kind of at minimum for literacy per day. And that includes things like read alouds and grammar lessons, stuff like that. And then an hour to an hour or so uh, for social studies and or science per day. That's, that's the typical rule most schools follow with. Um, I've always found that if you can err on the side of 90 minutes of math per day, it's often better, because I find that a lot of kids need a lot of reinforcement. So as a result of that, um, I try my best to get it in, but I understand that you know a day is a day, and you often don't get that full 90 minutes for math. So try to get your minimum of 60 minutes per day. Yes. Uh, literacy, 90 minutes sacred? Yeah, that's kind of clutch kind of need to have about 90 minutes a day for, for literacy and you can sometimes that be like your 15 minutes that might be the bell work at the beginning of the day which might be grammar based and you might have 15 20 minutes for a read aloud every day which means you know 60 minutes of you know a mini lesson or work they're doing but still try to make it about 90 minutes per day because that's where you'll find kids will learn the most um, and you'll also be able to cover your, cover your curricular outcomes kind of best that way too. So it's all well and dandy to create this nice, pretty schedule and everything fits and it's an appropriate block, but then reality happens. And you've got the learning assistance teacher coming in and saying, hey, can I steal so-and-so for this time? And then you've got you know, somebody else coming in and saying, oh, can I just make a quick announcement to your kids? And then, the, you know, you get pulled out for an assembly on another day. So how do you cope with all of that? Well, number one, you got to be flexible. You can't be rigid about that sort of thing. If someone needs to pop in to make a spontaneous announcement, be okay with that. Train your kids to be okay with that. And then when it's done, move on. Like, get right back on track. If the kids are used to the idea that those little things happen, getting them back on track is very easy. And have your signals ready to go. Have your signals that indicate to them we're ready to get back on track. Have those clearly laid out at the beginning of the year and reinforce them throughout the year. Sometimes a quick five count to get back to where you were is normal. And I think it can be very easy. Those distractions, quote unquote, will be as big or as small as you make them. And if you make them big, they'll be big. And if you make them small, they're going to be small to the kids too. Yeah. The other thing, there's a few other things that you can do to actually assist with some of that. So sometimes you can control some of this stuff. It is possible that you can pre-plan with teachers who need to pull kids out and say, look, you know, pulling them out on Monday is good, but Wednesday, not so much. I really do need my full group on Wednesdays. Or you could put, um, if you're going to be doing a, an activity that really requires focus, Put a do not disturb sign outside the door 
on at that point so that you don't get these unexpected interruptions. Uh, and make sure that you are completely prepped and your materials are all ready for that lesson so you don't need to dash across the hall for one more photocopy. Yeah. Plan, but be flexible. Good rule. Yes. Um, I think I want you to remember is that I know we often have little blocks of time in between specialists, end of the day, stuff like that. See if you can get in the little things that you often can't quite get in in those little blocks. If you can train you the mean? kids. That'll... Oh, little things like tiny bits of grammar work, catching up on some math pages, um, pulling a small group for just for a few minutes, or giving, using a game to reinforce a piece of learning. Put those things in then if you really feel like you can't get, you know, if you're really pressed for time in literacy, really pressed for time in math. Chuck them in then. If you know you have 15 minutes between, you know, um, say two different specialists playing a game of 88, which is a really fun math game that reinforces skip counting and, and uh, multiplication facts. It's a great way to time filler, and it's also a great way to get a little, a little bit extra time in for math. Or play a grammar game with them if you've got those time, if you've got those time, that time in there. There's little things, there's little ways you can use those little blocks of time that you might have in your schedule that you're like, oh, this is the worst. But to actually make good use of them. So going from the focus on the kids for a minute to the focus on the teacher and helping them maintain their sanity, because it's not easy planning for three, four, five different lessons in a single day and to keep on top of the organization for all of that different stuff. So a few ideas. You've got a filing cabinet, have different filing, different drawers for different classes or different subjects. Yep. Color code everything. Yep. So if you've got, and that's something that specialist teachers do too. I know, when I'm handing something out, it's like, okay, this is going to grade fives, it's going on orange paper. This is going to grade fours, it's going on blue paper. Um, some teachers, rather than color coding paper, they have a stamp um, or a, um, like a, a digital stamp that goes on each thing. So when they go to copy it, it's obvious, yeah, they're all on white pages, but in that upper right corner, that one's a picture of a, a seal and that one's a picture of a horse. So they go to the different classes. Um, and vary the complexity of your lessons. If you're doing a really uh, materials heavy math lesson that day, maybe you don't also want to have a very materials heavy science lesson or a very materials heavy literacy lesson. Maybe you want to have something that's a little bit less difficult to prep and set up. Yeah. You may even want to have devoted spaces on your desk too, by the way. Like I always have my math finders with teach that they go through my units in the top right corner of my desk. That's where they go and that's where they live every day because I use them every day. I plan with them whenever the kids are in practice. So have a devoted space to them. Keeps your desk more neat, more organized. And if you know you're using stuff and it needs to constantly be out, just embrace that idea and have it there. Um, and you may want to have a devoted spot for your literacy stuff. Just have your desk organized in a physical way that makes sense to you. So that way when it comes to getting materials, you know exactly where they are. Especially and when an administrator pops by to observe you and you panic. And that way you go, oh, that's right. I know where this always is. And when you are doing your planning, you don't need to be reinventing the wheel for each lesson. It no. is okay to go across the hall and say, hey, what are you using for literacy? I'm fresh out of ideas. 
And teachers are very happy to help out with that, or most of them are. And if there's not somebody in your building that's able or willing to help out, well, guess what? The internet is always willing. Interest paid teachers and Pinterest are awesome resources. Just saying. Um, gonna throw my props out to those guys. Did you teach pay teachers? Buy stuff. It's awesome. Um, but it's also keep a plan of every year's stuff. Like find a find a place where you can keep. If you physically write plans, keep them. Go back to them. Look at what you did the previous year. You may just want to tweak the lesson you did last year to make it good. Because oftentimes, if it worked, it worked. So why, you know, if it ain't broken. Exactly. And, and I do that. I do that digitally. I use a Google Doc. And I just, you know, I go back and go, oh, that's right. This is what I did last year for this one. Cool. All right. That worked. Let's do it again. Or it could be that you go back to it and you're like, really liked that lesson, but I've already done it several times because I've done it this, you know, so many years in a row. How could you modify it? And then you go like, oh, I'm going to keep that core idea, but I'm just going to switch out the resource that I used. Yeah. Sorted. Nice, fresh lesson already for you. Don't be afraid to tweak, modify, but also repeat. Yes. It's okay. All right, folks, those are our big tips for you for your coming year, or even if you're listening to this mid-year, the day of the year. Uh, as we said, we're not perfect, but, you know, we try our best. And a lot of these strategies that we just talked about for multi-subject teachers actually work for specialist teachers as well. Yeah, so don't hesitate to try them out if you're a specialist teacher as well. So, if you found something useful in this podcast, please pass it on. Um, leave us a comment on whatever platform you found us on and subscribe. Absolutely. All right, folks, have a great evening. Have a great day. Have a great morning, whatever time you're listening to this. And we'll see you next time or hear you next time or speak to you next time. That one. Yes. Anyways, bye. Bye.